Good morning. I hope you're having a uh, peaceful morning, peaceful day. Uh, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, a, a professor at Dallas Seminary, relays the following. He says, on June 5th, 2019, my wife Cheryl and I, along with another couple, were privileged to visit Normandy, France, the day before the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. Our time there was moving and memorable, uh, seeing reenactors, seeing re watching World War II era planes soar overhead, talking with veterans who participated in the invasion, and visiting the Crossline cemeteries. That day was truly one of the most unforgettable experiences of my life. What happened on that hallowed ground 75 years earlier changed the course of history and, and the lives of millions of people. One event from that time is etched on my mind. On June 6, 1944, in a German prisoner of war camp, one of the prisoners was secretly listening to the BBC. Hearing of the Allied invasion of Normandy, he could hardly contain himself, and he began whispering three simple words to the other prisoners. They have come. One prisoner was so overcome with joy that he threw reserve and restraint aside and ran into the barracks and began shouting, They have come! They have come! Weak men jumped for joy. Strong men hugged each other and wept with excitement. Some stood on tables and shouted as others rolled on the floor in ecstasy. Their German captors, not knowing about D-Day, thought they'd gone crazy. For the, prisoners, for the prisoners, nothing had changed outwardly, but inwardly, everything had changed. Their rescue was certain. They had come. This is, this, this is true of Christmas. Bethlehem was God's Normandy. Jesus came to defeat the enemy and set the prisoners free. Our rejoicing should be no less great. We must not keep the news to ourselves. Our situation may not change externally, but internally everything changes. Rescue is certain. This Christmas, we should loudly, joyfully proclaim, He has come. He has come. Well, for the next several weeks leading up to and including Christmas, I'd like to talk about the coming of Jesus, His first coming. Uh, today is the first day of Advent on the uh, traditional Christian calendar. Now, there are many different traditions that churches observe that center around Advent. Many churches use candles, uh, lighting a new candle each Sunday, each candle symbolizing some aspect of our Savior's coming to earth. Uh, these traditions are good when they cause us to remember our Lord. Remember Jesus himself, when he institute, instituted the Lord's Supper, he told us that when we take the bread and drink the cup, we should do it in remembrance of him. We, we remember his body, which was given to us, and his blood, which was shed for the remission of our sins. Well, the point is, we need to remember Jesus. Jesus needs to be on our minds always. 
And over the last couple of years, whenever I've officiated at communion, I've, I've tried to focus on some aspect of Jesus. One time, perhaps we would remember Jesus as the Lamb of God, the perfect and blameless sacrifice given for our sins. Uh, another time, we'd remember him as our king, the one who came to bring his kingdom and, and reign to earth. And so as we celebrate Advent, we remember Jesus. We remember his coming to earth as our Savior. And again, for the next several weeks, we're going to look at this coming. His, his coming to earth was, a, was long anticipated by his people. And as God had revealed much to his people about the Messiah, the Anointed One, the prophet Isaiah spoke of the Messiah who was to come, born of a virgin, to, to bring redemption to a lost and sinful world. One important and well-known passage is in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. And this gives us some, some names for Jesus, uh, re revealing the, the, the character and characteristics of the promised Messiah. And so we'll be looking at each of these names over the next several sermons. This passage, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, is, is a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ who would come as, a, as an infant. He would grow up into a man, but not just a man. He would be God incarnate, God in the flesh. Read with me. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, verse 6 speaks of this, this male child who, who will come, this, this son who will be given by the father, this son who would grow up to be a man and, and reign and have dominion. Now, the language used portrays this, this son of God who would rule forever with, with justice and righteousness. And we see in the language a, a picture of the kind of ruler the world had never seen before. This king would come to us as an infant, but he'd establish this unbelievable kingdom that would last forever. So we'll come back to this same passage each week as we look at these names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and, and Prince of Peace. Well, let's look at the first name of Jesus in this passage, Wonderful Counselor. And let's look at this word, Wonderful. I, I think the word Wonderful is a word that uh, we use often. And, and when we do, I think a lot of times we use it sarcastically, right? As in, oh, I lost my job. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the word is very descriptive, full of wonder. Something wonderful is something that will cause you to say something like, wow. It's a word that means amazing, astonishing, unusual, miraculous. 
And that's what the prophet Isaiah is trying to get across here. And I think our normal usage of, of words like this sometimes uh, tends to soften their meaning so that we don't really catch the full meaning in the scripture. You know, for instance, how long, how often do we use this word awesome to describe something that isn't really awesome? You know, something that really does not inspire awe. You know, like, oh, that's an awesome pair of shoes or... We use the word amazing for something that really doesn't amaze. Uh, oh, that hamburger was amazing. I think of us, I, I, I think many of us use this hyperbolic language and uh, we exaggerate the effect that something really has on us. And I guess that's okay. That makes our language more colorful. But here in Isaiah, this is not hyperbole. Uh, this child who would grow up and be Lord and Savior would truly be wonderful in a sense that he would inspire wonder and awe. The same word translated wonderful is used many places in the Old Testament. It's, it's used, for instance, to describe the grandeur of Solomon's temple. Can't you just imagine what it must have been like to walk into that temple, to, to see the artistry, the, the metalwork, the, the carving of the woodwork, just knowing that you know, this is a place where people come to meet with their God. This temple was, was wonderful. It inspired wonder and awe. This word is also used in the Psalms of, of God's word, God's amazingly wonderful word. In Psalm 139, David uses this word to describe the wonder of God's works. Listen to the awe in, in, in this, uh, as he says to God, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word's on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. <laughs> Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It, it's high. I cannot attain it. <clears throat> David uses the word again in verse 14. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Moses, in, in, in the Song of Moses in Exodus 15, 11, uses the, the noun form of this word. He says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? The wonder of Jesus is, is declared in the uh, New Testament scripture in, in many ways, uh, we see the wonder of his birth, uh, how, how wonderful and amazing it is that God came to earth as, as a man. He, he came as one of us and lived among us. We see the wonder of his life. Jesus lived an amazing and wonderful life. He was subject to the same suffering and, and pain and temptations that we all experience, but he was without sin. He, he lived in a way that, that's impossible for us to live on our own. We see the wonder of his death. 
Jesus on the cross, he, he bore our sins. It, it brought us reconciliation with God. Right before he breathed his last breath, he declared, it is finished. His mission, according to the wonderful plan of God, was accomplished. Our sins forgiven. We see the wonder of his resurrection. Jesus conquered death. And because of his resurrection, we, we also have hope in our, of, of our own resurrection. We see the wonder of his church. As, as the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus is present with his people now through the Holy Spirit. And he's given us his mission to continue on earth to, to make disciples of, of all the earth. This week, we consider the, the first name in Isaiah 9-6, Wonderful Counselor. And these two words go together very well in the original Hebrew. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is a counselor, a, a wonderful counselor. We, we, might, we might think of a counselor as someone who sits down with someone and, and psychoanalyzes them. You know, someone sitting there in a white coat, writing on a clipboard as, as his patient is laying on a couch, talking about his childhood. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a character that I have in mind anyway. But, uh, you know, this, this wonderful counselor who is this child, this son who will be given, this is a counselor who's going to give great advice. Uh, this, these, these words together, wonderful counselor, speak of one who, give, who gives marvelous advice. He, he's a marvel of a counselor. He's a counselor who gives amazing device, uh, advice. Uh, the, the best possible advice. One who always knows what should be done. He, he always knows the best possible course of action. He, he's all wise. Isaiah uses the same words to describe God in Isaiah 28, 29. He, he says he's wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Jeremiah speaks of God's counsel. In, in Jeremiah 32, 17 through 19, he says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of men. The Old Testament prophets celebrated God's wisdom, his, his wonderful, awesome counsel. <clears throat> God knows the best plan. He has the best advice given from his infinite wisdom. His counsel is wonderful and his deeds are mighty. And it's the same with this child who will be born, this son who will be given. And this is only possible because this child is the son of God. He, he is God in the flesh, God incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is the all-wise counselor. Now, we've all received advice from other people. 
I've, I've received advice from people, people who are wise. I've had help making decisions guided by people who know more than I did. Uh, but even these people were not wonderful counselors in the, in the way that Jesus is. Uh, just like me, they have a limited, they have limited knowledge. You know, I've also made poor decisions based on others' counsel. You know, their wisdom like mine is imperfect. We all do our best, but we always fall short. But Jesus is all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's the wonderful counselor. He knows every angle. He knows every nuance, every aspect of any decision that needs to be made or any course of action that, that we must take. Remember in the, the book of Mark, uh, in the, the transfiguration, when, when Jesus is changed before the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and these disciples, they get a glimpse of Christ's glory. And remember the voice of the Father. What did he say? He said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. <laughs> we need to listen to him because he is the wonderful counselor. He, we can listen to uh, Jesus because he's a wonderful counselor. You know, especially in his teachings in the gospel accounts, uh, uh, you know, we, we see that uh, Jesus would take our normal flawed way of thinking and, and behaving and, and turn it on its head. Uh, we need to listen to him, this, this wonderful counselor. Uh, the, the things he says are pretty amazing. For example, he says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I don't think that's something that we would come up with on our own. He said that in Mark 9.35. In, in Matthew 5.23 to 24, he said, if if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In Matthew 5, 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Mark eight thirty five through 36 he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? These are just a, a few examples of uh, Jesus' counsel, his, his amazing counsel. And if, if we truly followed all of Jesus' counsel, I don't think we'd have wars. I don't think we'd have church splits child abuse, uh, broken marriage, or, or any of these kind of social problems that, that plague us, uh, we, we'd be content. We'd be joyful. We'd be the kind of people that we should be. We, we'd have a much different view of, of things. We'd have a much different idea on what true success is, for example. More importantly... Jesus gave us counsel on who he is and why he came and how we must relate to him. He said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As to who he is, uh, John 10, 30, he said, I and the Father are one. John 14, 9, he says, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is wonderful. He's our counselor. So what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us? How do we apply this to our lives? Every year we, we remember Jesus' birth. We, we see nativity scenes. We, we sing Christmas carols. We give and receive gifts from each other. And all of these things are good. We, we need to remember Jesus Christ. We need to be thankful that God loved us so much that he sent his son. He, he came and lived among us. He, he taught us amazing things. And you know, I'd, I'd like to encourage you to read through one of the gospel accounts very soon. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And when you do so, listen to Jesus. Hear his counsel. Apply it to your life. Seek to know him better. Seek to be closer to him as you apply his word to your life and obey his, his commands. If you don't know Jesus, if, if you have not believed in him and, and received him as your Savior, listen to him. He said he's, he's come to seek and save that which was lost. He, he said to, to believe in him and have everlasting life. Listen to him. You know, Jesus wasn't just an extra, extraordinary wise person. He, he was Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to die for us sinful people who, who've turned away from God and we've gone our own way. He told us to believe in him and receive him as our Savior. We need to listen to him. That He's the wonderful, amazing, awesome, miraculous counselor. So as... So we wrap this up. Uh, the, the invasion of Normandy is, is something we remember each year. We, we remember those who died in this great rescue mission to free those who'd been held captive by the enemy forces. And during Advent season, we remember another invasion. Jesus coming was the ultimate rescue mission. He came to save a world held captive to sin. He came to redeem a lost humanity. Rather than coming as a mighty warrior or coming with an enormous army, he came quietly as an infant. Audrey Assad wrote a song called Winter Snow, which, which talks about this. And the first verse uh, and, and chorus say, uh, you, you could have come like a mighty storm with, with all the strength of a hurricane you could have come like a forest fire with the power of heaven in your flame, but you came like a winter snow, quiet and, and soft and slow, falling from the sky in the night to the earth below. Jesus came in, in meekness. He was sinless and perfect in every way. 
Isaiah writes, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is awesome. This is, this is amazing. What a, what a wonderful gift we have been given by the Father. This child, this wonderful child who would set things right. This child who was the, the son of man and the son of God. This, this amazing miracle of a child who would be perfect, living the perfect sinless life, taking our sins and bearing them on the cross on our behalf. He, he showed us the way to the Father's heart. How, how can we not love Christmas when we've received this awesome gift from the Father, this, this wonderful counselor, truly amazing, unlike any other, absolutely deserving our trust. He is all wise. We need to listen to him. We need to take action and do what he tells us to do. Let's pray. Father, in, in the name of Jesus, through your spirit, we come to you. You are, you are great, God, and, and greatly to be praised. And we are truly amazed at your wonderful gift, this, this child who was born, this son that you have given. Help us, Lord, to listen to him and obey his counsel. Give us a passionate desire, Lord, to to follow him. Amen.